2: Good morning and happy Saturday. Whether you are listening on the radio here in Rochester, New York, streaming online, or listening to our podcast anywhere in the world, this is the Beyond the Game program. As you've no doubt already figured out, I am not Rick Benson. He is out of town running a soccer camp for some reason or other, so I am filling in as both the producer and the host this week. I am Zach Barletta, and since an hour of me talking to myself would be terrible radio, I've also got my brother Spencer live on the studio line from Roanoke, Virginia. Spencer is my younger but equally bearded brother and also co-hosts the Myths and Mysteries podcast with me. Spencer, what's going on?
1: Hey, Zach. Great to be back on the show, man. Uh, Sorry that uh, Rick has gone to the dark side and is off doing soccer things, but (laughs) pleasure
2: to be here as always. All right, well, I have a printout here that could almost kind of pass as an outline for what we're going to do on the show today, so let's uh, see what happens. Spence, are you ready to wing it and make some radio magic? Absolutely. Exclusively radio magic. All right, let's do it. First off, Spence, I want to, I uh, I know that you saw both the tweet that former Buffalo Bills cornerback Stephon Gilmore posted this week and the Buffalo sportscaster who responded to it with the video clip. In case our audience missed it, Gilmore tweeted, My people finally going to get to see me play on TV? Hashtag Pats Nation, hashtag about that time. Buffalo sportscaster Jonah Javad read the tweet during the sports report on television, then added, Gilmore's people didn't get to see him on TV, here's what they missed out on, followed by a long video montage of Gilmore missing tackles and getting beat for long touchdowns. Spencer, what did you think of the video?
1: it was hilarious i i actually had the video shared to me by a friend of mine who said you've got to see this uh, who's always hearing me uh here in virginia ranting and raving about the buffalo bills and he said you've got to <laughs> watch this and uh, i was laughing through the whole video and it just was something that was that was so buffalo it was so back home that uh that i really enjoyed it and uh, he really pulled no punches
2: yeah and you know it I saw response articles that said, oh, Buffalo Sportscaster is overkill, you know? And yeah, it was overkill, and yeah, it was sour grapes, but we're kind of tired of the last season of Stefan Gilmore not tackling anybody.
1: That was my thought, was, you know, you can be frustrated with the coaches, you can be uh, frustrated with the way that the season went, or even your teammates, but to to throw shade on your fans, um, talking about, you know, not being able to watch on TV... And uh, really, we did. We, we watched him be kind of a disappointing player for all of the talent that he has to do something, uh, you know, go follow the money. He's, he's a great player. Uh, you can't blame him for making a wise decision financially for his career. But to weeks and months after that happened to go back and make a point to stick it to Buffalo and and the, the, all the people there and the coaches and the fans, um, I kind of thought he had it coming.
2: Yeah, because this is the team that cheered pretty loudly for him when he did good things the team that made him a first round pick gave him a lot of money treated him well um it was really kind of strange to see him do that and we get it you know we're buffalonians we're western new yorkers we get it the patriots are really good they're on tv all the time and we don't need stefan gilmore to sort of tell us that right no definitely not 538.com recently did a poll of 989 baseball fans from across the U.S. to see who their most and least favorite teams are. Somehow, the New York Yankees managed to be both the team that was chosen most often as fans' favorite team, with a whopping 10% of the total votes, and the team that was chosen most often as fans' most hated team, with an astounding 27% of the total votes. So Spencer, how is it that the Yankees are both the most loved and the most hated baseball team in America?
1: I think that's a good question. I think that there's a few different answers. I think that, number one, um, the New York Yankees franchise is just one that everyone is familiar with. They owned baseball for so long, uh, they have so many championships, and they are one of the teams that goes essentially all the way back to the beginning. So when you think of great baseball teams or if you're a person who appreciates older um, older franchises who have been around longer, you can't help but come across the New York Yankees. And so you see uh, people in other countries, people uh, that just want to wear a baseball hat. You know, they, they want to get a hat to wear, whether that be with an outfit or just to cover their head or lack of hair or whatever that might be, um, if they don't know what they're doing, they might be reaching for a Yankees hat. So I think partially it it comes out of uh, just recognition. And as far as uh, you know, the the most well recognized team in baseball, um, as far as being the most hated, I really I think that the Yankees are the MLB version of the Patriots. Uh, everybody hates the, the team who, who beats you the most. People aren't quick to forget those things. And even though they haven't been the uh, the powerhouse team for a long stretch of, of years like they were in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, everybody's, you know, in, in our generation can remember at some point being beaten by the New York Yankees or watching their Yankees win. And I think that people just uh,
2: get sick of, of teams that tend to win a lot. You know, I think you made a great point about just how recognizable and how well-known the Yankees are. Because even if you're not a baseball fan, chances are you know who the Yankees are, you know who their star players are because they're on TV all the time. And I think back to one years ago, we were in the Dominican Republic with Benson doing a baseball clinic, and we were wearing Yankees hats, and these little Dominican kids were coming up to us and asking us for autographs. Like, Mm -hmm. they had no idea who we were. were. You and I were kids. We're obviously not ball players but we had yankee hats on so they were like these guys must be important they maybe you know maybe we were ball players or big time prospects or something and really the only thing i could think of why they'd be asking us for autographs is we had yankee hats on
1: i think so and it, i actually found the exact same thing in in some of the other international travel that i've been privileged to be a part of is that uh, you know in, in Zambia, Africa, and some of the other places that I've been, people that were wearing baseball hats were wearing New York Yankees hats. So um, they really have, whether by one way or another, been spread to kind of all points of the globe. And so the team that gets the most recognition is going to be the team that people pick when they're not sure who to pick.
2: You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at program. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem, covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, Any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town and Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town and Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town and Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town and Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town and Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs. So if you suspect a potential problem, call Town and Country Pest Solutions today. Town and Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town and Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online townandcountrysolutions.com Town and Country Pest Solutions fearing nothing but God
2: Hey, it's Zach If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries mythical monsters, murder whodunits or just podcasts in general check out my other show The Myths and Mysteries Podcast Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination chupacabras, serial killers and more You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, MythsAndMysteriesPod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Happy Saturday morning to all of you. Spencer, I'm excited to have you on the show because you and I get to talk about something that I never get to talk about with Benson. And he's going to listen to this, and he's probably going to be furious, but that's fine. (laughs) He can't fire me. I'm the producer. He's going to listen to it, and he's going to hate it. (laughs) But we're going to love it, and that, of course, is fantasy football. Uh, Spence, how many leagues did you play in last year? I think it was uh, maybe between four and six leagues. So that's not too bad. That's not not including bad. Daily Fantasy. <laughs> and uh, did you end up with more money than you started with when you played Daily? I did,
1: actually. By some
2: Christmas miracle,
1: I ended up with a few dollars more. Uh, not much, but I did end up ahead, so that's all that counts.
2: Yeah, I don't think I did, so at least one of us won some money. I played, <laughs> I played in a lot of leagues as well. You and I played in, I think, three or four leagues together, as well as some DFS tournaments. Um, so what we did, we've been talking a lot about really since the draft, about the upcoming fantasy football season. We've been comparing some notes, and I thought this would be a fun time for us to talk a little bit about some players that we do and don't like for this season. It's ridiculously early. We haven't even seen some of them play in a uh, scrimmage or even a preseason game yet. So let's, at this ridiculously early time, let's talk about some players (laughs) that we do and we don't like. We'll give two at each position for the likes and two at each position for the dislikes. Are you ready? Let's do this. Alright, let's start with the quarterbacks. The first quarterback that I really like this upcoming season is Marcus Mariota of the Titans. He ended last season with a severe leg injury, which is going to scare some people off, no doubt. And I still don't think people really respect the Titans for how good of an offense they can be. Um, they have a prolific running attack, yes, but they also made it a focus this offseason to get some more weapons from Mariota, and they accomplished that by drafting Corey Davis and signing Eric Decker. So I think the passing touchdowns will be there for Mariota in addition to the rushing yards that he's always going to have.
1: The Titans are going to be, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous teams, so I couldn't agree with you more. The signing of Decker and Davis, they said, listen, we're going to address this need at wide receiver, and they did that in a big way, and they even tightened up the defense a little bit, which was already on the way there by uh, drafting some some high-talent cornerbacks uh, to, to match to keep the, the score down on the other side. Uh, watch out for the Titans.
2: And guys, maybe some of you don't play fantasy football and you think this is going to be a really boring segment. Maybe it will. I don't know. But we're also going to talk a little bit, I think, about some of the teams that these players play on. So you could maybe consider this a little bit of a football preview show. Spencer, why don't you give me the first quarterback that you do like? The first guy
1: I'm actually very excited about. And I've tried to pick out some players. Um, that you may not inherently expect to make a big difference, whether that be the way that they played last year or just that they are kind of scooting along under the radar. But my first quarterback is Andy Dalton. I think that it would be no exaggeration to say that the the Cincinnati Bengals have made one of the biggest leaps from, uh, from last to first as far as talent on their team by going out and getting uh john ross to play opposite uh aj green to get joe mixon to play in the backfield i think that they've reloaded dalton's weapons they've tried as as best as they could even though they lost some of their offensive line to replace it with other talent and i think that you're going to see with having a bunch of weapons back dalton come
2: out and be the the red rifle again i really like that pick if we had gone to three of each position he would have been one of mine. I really like Dalton and the Bengals this year. And of course, that offensive overhaul, the key piece was that they switched kickers. <laughs> Absolutely. The second quarterback that I really like for this season is Eli Manning of the Giants, which I know Benson's going to like, so maybe this will get him to forgive me for doing this segment. But if you look at fantasy quarterback rankings, Eli isn't very highly rated. He's somewhere in the mid to late teens as far as quarterbacks, but the Giants have added Brandon Marshall to team with Odell Beckham Jr. at wide receiver, and they don't have an established number one running back. So Eli may be chucking it downfield to those two guys a lot, which means there'll be lots of touchdowns.
1: I agree, and uh, Brandon Marshall's come out and said, hey, it's it's my job to make Odell Beckham Jr., an MVP, and I really think that their passing attack is uh, is easily one of the top three, and even though Eli might not be uh, exactly who he was two, three, five years ago, when you line up that much talent along the sidelines, you can't help but see great things happen. Who's your
2: other quarterback, Spence?
1: My my second quarterback is uh, is actually somebody who's been in the news a lot. It's Kirk Cousins. Ooh. I think... Uh, Cousins is is a little bit underrated and even even in his own town his own team his own fans can't really decide know what to do with him.
2: It's so weird.
1: Living in Virginia, I'm hearing about this this drama unfolding constantly, but when you look at the numbers, he's actually been one of the most consistent accurate passers, most consistent uh, as far as touchdown and, uh, and quarterback rating in the last couple of years, I firmly believe that he earned a, a better contract than what was offered to him, and I think that we're going to see big things uh, from him in the years to come. I don't think he's going to be a Redskin very much longer, and I think we'll see him switch over and play uh, with another team and maybe take off in his career, but uh, they've given him, uh, despite losing a couple of targets, they've brought in a couple of uh, big players um including a new tall number one talent. So I think watch out for Kirk Cousins.
2: Moving on to running back, the first running back that I have that I really like for this year is LaShawn McCoy. And that might seem like an obvious one because he's so good all the time, but that's just the thing. So many people, myself included at times, have looked at his age and his mileage and they're hesitant to take him early in drafts, but he's just so consistently awesome. The Bills had one of the best running attacks in the NFL the last few seasons, and they've upgraded their right tackle this season, so it might potentially even be better. So until LaShawn McCoy gives me a reason not to take him in like the late first, second round of drafts, I'm just going to keep doing it.
1: In addition to that, they're talking about getting him involved in the passing game more, and he's become even more of a defined number one with the loss, the unfortunate loss, the uh, really sad loss of Mike Gillisley, so I think he's going to get even more looks. Who have you got at running back, Spence? I'm going with uh, with one that might make a few people unhappy, Joe Mixon. Um, love he's Joe got, Mixon. He's got plenty of character issues that need to 100% be addressed, but I do love Joe Mixon as a football player. And he's, again, part of that, uh, going back to the well of the Cincinnati Bengals. He can catch the ball, he can run the ball, he's he's so dangerous, whether behind the line or in the open field, and we've seen injury and a depreciation and talent in the other Cincinnati backs, and, so, uh, and, and one of them still being injured going into the season, we don't know what to expect. I easily think that Joe Mixon may end up being the, the first, second, third
2: down running back by the middle of the season. I like him a lot. I'm going to have him on a lot of teams this year. My other running back that I do like this year is Jordan Howard of the Bears. I've heard all the talk about the Bears' offensive line. I've heard the questions about who's going to be playing quarterback, etc., etc. But here's the thing. Jordan Howard is a really good running back. And if people want to let him fall to me in the draft, that's fine. I'm more than happy to take him. When quarterbacks are under pressure, what do they do? They dump the ball off to running backs. So I think even if he can't get much going in the running game, which I think he will be able to, I think Jordan Howard can have a good year because he'll make up for it with pass reception. So even with Chicago's offense being a question mark, give me lots of shares of Jordan Howard. I think you've got a
1: little more confidence than I do. He is a phenomenal talent and will be going at the back of the first round, early second round, I think. But uh, he had a little bit of an issue catching the ball last year, so I do I hope that, that they can straighten that out and make him dangerous in both ways. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how that ends out. My my second running back is Jay Ajayi of the, the Miami Dolphins. As much as it pains me uh, after your team gets mown over for 200-plus yards, two consecutive games, but Jay Ajayi has really been handed the keys to the kingdom as far as uh, being their number one running back, unquestioned. Uh, They're talking about uh, Adam Gase getting him more than, you know, 20 to 30 carries per game, and I think that uh, he's been working in the offseason on catching. He was a a pass catcher a lot in college, and I think that we're going to see that this year.
2: All right, moving on to the wide receivers. The first wide receiver that I do really like, you mentioned uh, a tall target being added in Washington. That's Terrell Pryor. If you look at the ridiculous numbers that he put up last year on a Browns team that seemingly had a new quarterback every quarter, now imagine what he can do with an angry and and uh, insulted Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. <laughs> Cousins has a chip on his shoulder from the way Redskins management has treated him. He's playing for a big contract. Terrell Pryor is going to be the beneficiary of that.
1: Agreed. Couldn't say anything different. My guy that I'm going to go with is, uh, is another guy who's uh, been out and come back. Martavis Bryant uh, of the, the Pittsburgh Steelers this guy is a freak of nature athletically, he's got the size the hands, the ability, and certainly the speed uh, the guys that were in positions that might have been in front of him as far as the depth chart, are gone they, they've they left or they have been, they've been sat because they are anticipating the coming back of Martavis Bryant and this guy, if he goes off, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay out of trouble he's going to be a firecracker
2: agreed. My other wide receiver that I do like for this year is DeAndre Hopkins which again may seem a little ridiculous because he's so good. But Hopkins' year last year was so bad that by the end of last season, I saw him dropped in multiple leagues that I was in. And we need to remember that he's one of the most talented receivers in the game and he no longer has Brick Osweiler throwing him the football. So I really think he has the potential to be a steal in drafts for where you can get him this year.
1: I agree, and I would really, really love to see him back to his former self. I was having a hard time with my, my last one, so I've actually got two that I'm going to split down the middle that are John Brown and Cameron Meredith. Uh, I do think that the, the Bears are going to have some problems on the offense, but I think that Cameron Meredith is going to be leading the charge from the wide receiver position, and there's something to be said about being the number one target. Uh, I think that he had some opportunities and made some big plays last year that we got to see a few successful games, and I think we'll see more of those. And John Brown, who was much overlooked because uh, he played so badly last year and was out with some health concerns, uh, is going to be back. He's healthy. They've got this this health issue figured out, and I think that we're going to see him make a return. And this guy's falling in mock drafts way late, and I think 7th, 8th, ninth round, and could be a huge talent that to uh, to grab late.
2: Alright, we'll be back right after this with our dislikes you're listening to Beyond the Game.
3: If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA National Championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
2: Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Zach Barletta, joined from Virginia, live on the studio line by my brother Spencer Barletta. Rick Benson is out of town running a soccer camp inexplicably this week. So we are trying to fill those big shoes. Before the break, we were talking about some quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers that we do like for fantasy football this year. We're going to go through a few of each that we don't like this year. and I'm going to start it off with a pick that will probably make people in this area very happy, and that's Tom Brady. (laughs) <laughs> and I swear it's not personal. Maybe it is. But I also think that expectations are so high for Brady that he might be a little bit overvalued. Brady's not getting any younger. For the first time in two or three years, he's not entering the year angry about a suspension or something. The Patriots have loaded up on running backs, including the very talented former Bill Mike Gillisley. I think the Pats are going to run the ball a lot, and Gillisley is going to get a lot of goal line touchdowns. I think it's very possible Brady won't throw nearly as many touchdowns as a lot of people are expecting.
1: I would agree with that, and I'm going to go with another surprise player and former MVP Cam Newton. I think that we might be surprised, a lot of people were surprised and let down last year when he wasn't able to play super well and wasn't returning to that MVP caliber play. Cam Newton has had a surgery in the offseason, even a relatively minor one, but on his throwing shoulder. He had it late in the year because apparently he said that he had other things that were on the forefront of his mind. And we've not really seen him been able to go out and play. Training camp is coming and he does not have any more tools to throw to, really, than he did last year. Cam Newton has shown an extraordinary ability to miss the running back when he throws the ball <laughs> to the running back, and we're all excited to see Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be a, a freak of nature out there, but unfortunately with a quarterback who has his entire career struggled even to dump the ball off to the quarterback, and he's not got any more uh, wide receiver talent to throw to, I'm unfortunately thinking Cam is, uh, is in for another
2: mediocre year. Boy, that bad year he had last year came out of nowhere. I got him in the fourth round of a draft, and I texted you, I just won this league, and I think I missed the playoffs <laughs> because he was so bad. My other quarterback that I don't like this year, another big name, it's Philip Rivers of the Chargers. First-round wide receiver Mike Williams was supposed to solve the Chargers' long-standing lack of a big play threat for, for Philip Rivers, but it looks like he's going to need a back surgery that ends his season before training camp even starts. That leaves talented... Uh, but often injured, Keenan Allen and a cast of um, guys who have never been a top receiver as the rest of the receivers for Rivers to throw to, and I'm just not feeling it for Rivers in 2017.
1: That's a really interesting pick. I think I do actually feel a little higher on Phillip Rivers. I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more. I think Williams is out for the year, and that is extremely unfortunate. Although I guess uh, for those of us who were Bills fans and wanted that to happen, I guess we dodged a bullet there. But as far as Philip Rivers is is concerned, he's always been able to do okay when he's got the weapons. And I think that there are a few guys that are considered no name players. Your Dontrell Inman's, your Travis Benjamins, but a few of those guys were former number one receivers that maybe couldn't quite cut it. Um, you've got Inman, you've got. Uh, Travis Benjamin, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen goes big or goes home, man, so if he doesn't lacerate a kidney or tear something in his knee, hopefully he'll be there for all the games. So I guess we'll have to see. We'll flip a coin and see what happens with the Chargers next
2: year. All right, on to the running backs. The first running back I don't like for 2017, Spencer Ware of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a converted fullback who was mostly great for Kansas City when he was on the field over the last two seasons. But he's not young. He faded late in the season last year. And the Chiefs added rookie Kareem Hunt behind him, who they really like. I really think Ware could lose his starting job by midseason.
1: I'm going to go with Latavius Murray here. I was a Latavius Murray supporter last year with Oakland. He scored me a ton of touchdowns and was looking like he was going to be another starter when moved to the Minnesota Vikings. But then they went out, they traded up and got Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, who's still been suffering slight injury and hasn't been out there to take all of the reps that he uh, he should. That's just given more and more opportunity for Dalvin Cook to show off to the coaches. And I think that while he was uh, going into the Combine Some people were a little disappointed with how he turned out. I don't think the Viking coaches are going to
2: be disappointed, and Dalvin Cook might end up taking that job. Agreed. The other running back I don't like is another really big name. It's Adrian Peterson. AP was the guy for the longest time that I would never draft because I always expected his age and his workload to catch up to him. Until last year, when I got tired of looking silly and passing on him, and I finally drafted him in my money league in the first round... So naturally he suffers a catastrophic injury. My season goes down the toilet. Now he's another year older with another major injury on his resume on a team with a questionable offensive line. So I'm not going anywhere near Adrian Peterson. So I guess that
1: was your fault then. You finally turned the... Turned the coin and and then he gets gets injured so
2: yeah sorry vikings that's my bad
1: <laughs> carlos hyde is going to be my second pick of the san francisco 49ers i think carlos hyde is a phenomenal talent and i think that uh injuries have plagued his career obviously but when he's been able to stay healthy he's been a, a big deal unfortunately there are rumors coming out of san francisco that he's going to have to fight for a starting job and uh We have a new coach coming in that has no allegiance to him, and Carlos Hyde uh, has been a letdown for a few different coaches, a few different teams, I think one too many times, and this guy might end up uh, going the way of the Dodo.
2: Well, he could Dodo right to Buffalo, that's for sure. We'd love to have him here. (laughs) On to the wide receivers. Speaking of Buffalo, I hate to say it, the first receiver I don't like this year is Sammy Watkins. Don't get me wrong, I love Sammy Watkins. When he's healthy, he's one of the most talented, dynamic receivers in the game, but he's never healthy. Even when he's on the field, he's playing through a nagging something or other. He's on a run-first team, the Bills don't have any other receivers nearly enough to draw double coverage away from him. So sadly, I think Sammy's going to be a fantasy bust again this season.
1: Man, I hope you're wrong, but I, I would not be surprised. I'm going to go back to the Carolina Panthers on this one and and choose Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin, after having a a rough last 14 games last year, has come into camp overweight. Uh, He's gone the uh, the Eddie Lacy route and is the second Big Ben, but in a bad way. And uh, he's proven that he struggles to be a big number one wide receiver when he gets double teamed and unfortunately coming in not being physically prepared and uh and not really having anyone to take the pressure off of him i think that we're all going to be disappointed with kelvin benjamin again
2: i think the same thing about brandon cooks of the patriots he's a boomer bust wide receiver on a patriots team that has a lot of weapons and uses their running backs a lot while he's incredibly fast and a great receiver I just don't think he's going to get the ball enough to justify the high draft pick he's going to cost you
1: i agree too many mouths to feed in new england and uh, i think you said boom or bust he's going to be a guy that's going to completely rely on yards after the catch or burning the defense and getting wide open i think that uh, cooks is going to be a guy who will either get you all those points and win your week or he'll be the guy that you're disappointed with three to four weeks in a row um, he was actually someone I had on my list as well, and I was curious to know uh, of your opinion on one last guy that I think I'm I'm planning on uh, maybe being disappointed in this year. That's Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, there was a a big splash when the Eagles went out and got him, um, and so they're planning on him obviously being the number one wide receiver, moving Jordan Matthews back into the slot. But I've seen Alshon Jeffrey in the last few years struggle to separate. And I'm not sure how he's going to do when he gets double and triple team to be able to get up and get the ball. What do you think on that?
2: Yeah, I don't know because, you know, Jordan Matthews has not been what he was really billed as. Zach Ertz is pretty good, but he's a tight end. So I don't know if he, being the number one receiver there, if he's going to be um, able to get loose for those long gains. I think you're right. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to The Humbagin' hey it's zach if you're a fan of unsolved mysteries mythical monsters murder whodunits or just podcasts in general check out my other show the myths and mysteries podcast every two weeks my brother spencer and i tell fascinating stories about topics like the bermuda triangle jfk's assassination chupacabras serial killers and more You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, MythsAndMysteriesPod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time We are back. Thank you for staying with us. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Zach Barletta here with my brother Spencer, live on the studio line from Virginia. Spence, we've been talking about a lot of football, so what do you say we just stick with it for a little longer? I'm on board. I am geared up for football season. And that's a question I was meaning to ask you. Are you more excited, as someone who's a big football fan and also, like me, a big hockey fan, are you more exceeded, excited for the upcoming football season or the hockey season that starts a month after that?
1: Oh, man, that's a tough one. I I struggle to answer questions like this because I tend to be a little bit on the temperamental side. So I was so excited after the NFL draft. We, we had OTAs, some free agent signings, and then now recently we've had the hockey draft and made some signings there. So I tend to bounce a little bit from one to one. But I think my answer would be that I'm excited for both, but maybe a little bit more for hockey season, uh, purely because I feel like the New York Rangers have the ability to win the Stanley Cup this year. I think that the Bills might surprise some people. But going in, I'm excited because I love football. I love watching it. I love being involved. I will cheer for my team, but I've got fantasy football and things to look forward to. They're just different things, and I think if I'm realistic, uh, I'm going to pick one because I feel like my team has a greater chance of winning.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It's really tough to say. Because I'm looking forward to football because, you know, you can sit down with the red zone and just watch, just be just saturated in football, you know, and and we have all the fantasy leagues and stuff that we play. And then hockey is just, you know, I love hockey. If I have to choose between watching a hockey game and a football game, I'm watching the hockey game. But also because, like you said, we're both New York Ranger fans, and they had just a really good offseason. They purged some of the big contracts that they needed to. They added the number one defenseman that they needed. They really have had a good off season, And so I'm really, for once, for the first time in the last couple of years, really excited to see what they do this season. So um, I think just for watching, I'm more excited about hockey. But as far as fantasy, obviously it's football.
1: I think part of the reason for that is probably something we were going to be talking about here soon, which is in contrast uh, of to what the Bills did in this off season, what the New York Rangers did, and I think that looking at the off season, um, I think I felt maybe just a little bit disappointed here at the end as we're getting ready for actual football uh, with what the Bills ended up doing, and so I think uh, you know that little bit of disappointment kind of fueled the fire on the other side with the New York
2: Rangers hockey. Yeah, let's get into that a little bit because. I know we've talked about the Buffalo Bills, and you texted me either yesterday or today while I was working and said, you know, are the Bills ever going to use all that cap room that they have? And uh, the thing is, at this point, there's really not that many players available to drop that money on, so it looks like they're not. <laughs> um, and I think you would agree that the Bills off season has been a little bit lackluster.
1: It has, and I am a big Bills cheerleader, Uh, Listen, I'm not a Fairweather fan. The most common question I get here when I tell people I'm a Bills fan is, have you been alive while the Bills have been good? And uh, so I've gotten used to that and then immediately followed by the four Super Bowls thing. But (laughs) I am cheering on my team. I love Coach McDermott. I love what he's doing. I love the attitude that they're bringing. Uh, I love some of the moves that they made in the draft. I think trading back was a really, really wise idea. Work fueled for the future. Um, I just feel as though, you know, they didn't get anybody really flashy, not saying that you have to when you draft. Um, they did get staple positions that we needed, but it felt a little bit like they were just trying to replace the positions that we lost because we lost so many players last year. And, uh, you know, the only thing I could really say that I feel like we missed out on or. Uh, could have done better is that i personally feel like with the money that we had and the short-term contracts that they would have
2: needed we really should have gotten Macklin or Decker one of the two that was i think the cherry on top for me but I, well in a bad way i guess the cherry on top sounds good but no i i but think cherry you, on top of a fruitcake yeah, yeah well yeah i think you really hit on it when you said that you know in the draft while the bills had a very good draft um they really just replaced the positions that they lost and they really sort of filled the holes that they had but they didn't make the team better you'd like to see a good team go into the draft and add the final pieces and really all they did was sort of break even and while i like the players that they took there wasn't that feeling of like all right this makes us better you know and then you go into the off season and you have the ability to drop all that money on a wide receiver like macklin or decker who you really really need and who you can have for only money for one or two seasons and especially macklin was in town for like two days and and, right. and the stars were just aligned you know he's best friends with mccoy he's been on teams where mcdermott was a coach you know his former uh wide receivers coaches here as the quarterback's coach it was like wow how could this guy not sign in buffalo and then he leaves and goes to Baltimore who had less than half the cap space caps that Buffalo has and he signs there. You know, it was just... Um, it was really weird and you and I have talked about whether perhaps the Bills are sort of um, unofficially tanking this season for a quarterback next year.
1: Right. And I think while it's still impossible to say and obviously we're not at Bill's drive to to hear what they're talking about behind closed doors, I think that the the... Refusal to sign Macklin or to go after Decker says that the what the Bills feel about their chances next year. I think personally that the Bills are going to surprise some. Um, the way that the players uh, are talking, the way that. Uh, McDermott coaches, his scheme, the way that it's built for the players. The players that they have brought in, while not being huge-name players, are, and we've talked about this before, very good at one specific thing, and McDermott seems to really be trying to put those guys in positions to succeed. Um, But I agree. I think that not going after Macklin, not going after Decker, I think if the Bills had brought in Decker and uh excuse me uh Macklin opposite Sammy Watkins in front of LaShawn McCoy with an improved offensive line and hopefully a a defense that surprises a few people I think that the Bills would have been a team that everyone was talking about next year but I think putting all the pressure on Sammy who was going to have to stay healthy um we'll see but I think that our, our chances are are a little bit reduced and I do I think it says what the Bills think about next year
2: Yeah, that was a big concern for me as the depth at wide receiver and at running back. Um, Yeah, I know Jonathan Williams is a good fit for the blocking system that they're going to have, but, I mean, Sean McCoy, as good as he is, he's going to miss a game or two, and, you know, you're an injury away from having Jonathan Williams, the the second-year fifth-round pick, as your starter. I'm not really comfortable with that, and like you said, if Sammy gets hurt, You're looking at Zay Jones, the rookie, who really is probably best as a slot receiver, as your number one receiver. And I just... I think you get an injury to one of those two guys and your season's basically over. Right. Well, while we're talking about... uh, trades and signings and moves the teams have made, it's a good. One's a little more positive. The New York Yankees this week made a big trade with the Chicago White Sox, a seven-player deal with the Yankees sending Tyler Clippard and three prospects to the White Sox to get Todd Frazier, Tommy Canely, and David Robertson, um, widely regarded as a pretty darn good move. Uh, the Yankees have a pretty ridiculously good bullpen now. And I just realized we spent most of the show just talking about our favorite teams, and I think that's totally fine because this is our show. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Um, Spencer, have you kept up with what the Yankees are doing, and do you have an opinion of the trade?
1: I have, and uh, one of my first thoughts was that this one was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um we knew that the Yankees had places and positions that needed to be filled. We knew what those needs were. We knew that they were going to be cautious buyers. We saw that phrase used a lot by Brian Cashman. But we heard, um, you know, possible trades with the Oakland A's, possible trades with a couple of different teams, and it always seems like it's that dark horse contender out of nowhere that we had like, oh, well, I guess it's a possibility that they're talking with the White Sox. Oh, what happened? And... uh it kind of came about pretty quickly, but I, I'm I'm in love with this trade.
2: Yeah, and there were some there were some rumblings. You know, we knew he was talking with the White Sox. That was reported, um, but it wasn't like anything was close. In fact, I was looking at MLB trade rumors, and there were back to back headlines, and one was. Red Sox close to deal with, you know, White Sox for Frazier and Robertson. And the very next one was Yanks have agreement in place with White Sox for Frazier, Robertson, and Canely. And it was one of those (laughs) were like, yeah, they're interested, but they're interested in everybody. And then um, what we as Yankee fans like to call Ninja Cash, Cashman out of nowhere, just announces this deal that's this, you know, this deal you didn't see coming and you're like, oh, wow, that's a really good trade. And, um, you know, it it just fills needs. You know, the bullpen's been a weakness, and not only did they address the weakness, but they got rid of the weakest link, which Tyler Clippard, while he's a cool dude and he has the quirky goggles and stuff, he's been awful this year. And um, not only did he manage to add two high strikeout arms to the bullpen, but he got rid of the reliever that's been the worst. So, you know, you got the addition by addition and the addition by subtraction.
1: Absolutely. And it's rare that you see... So many holes, or so many uh, so many positions filled, and that all get better at the same time. Like you said, um, different positions, a number of players. I was I was really impressed. I think that um, Todd Frazier is is a is an okay replacement. I hope that he does well. He seems to be kind of turning things around from a slow beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. But we now have one of the best bullpens in in the major leagues. We've filled a hole that we needed with uh, with a good hitter. And I think maybe we'll see, uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more moving, a couple more deals, or some wheeling and dealing. But I, uh, I
2: really was pleased with what happened. It's important to note that this show is going to air on Saturday morning, but we will have recorded it a little bit in advance, so it's possible that the Yankees make that trade with Oakland before this goes on air. Um, uh, it seems like something that really could and probably should happen. I think we will see it happen at some point between now and the deadline. Um, but I think the Yankees did, did a great job of making themselves better. Um, you know, the Yankees' first baseman on the season were hitting somewhere around the Mendoza line of 200, maybe a little below. So even just by putting Frazier at third, moving Headley into a platoon at first base, Hedley hasn't been great, but compared to what they've gotten from first base to this point, he's an absolute stud. So, you know, even adding a third baseman has made third base, first base a little more productive. So I like that about this as well.
1: I like Frazier. I like having another Frazier. When I, when I first got the update, I just saw that Frazier was traded, and I actually thought that the Yankees traded Clint Frazier, and I about kicked my dog.
2: Yeah, but I, uh, flipped
1: out. Yeah, but, uh, I was relieved to know that we just added
2: one. So, Did you know his nickname is the Todd Father? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Yeah, he has a fantastic nickname. I love that. I, we win the trade just for that. John Sterling will have a field day with that. Oh, he will. I can't wait to hear the first home run call. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Thanks for joining us. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown... Any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town and Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town and Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town and Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town and Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town and Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town and Country Pest Solutions today. Town and Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town and Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online townandcountrysolutions.com Town and Country Pest Solutions fearing nothing but God
2: Hey, it's Zach If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries mythical monsters, murder whodunits or just podcasts in general check out my other show The Myths and Mysteries Podcast Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras serial killers, and more You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, MythsAndMysteriesPod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Spencer, how's the weather in Roanoke right now?
1: It has been hot as all get out here. We've had uh, mid to high 90s, and with the heat index, uh, hit 109 actually recently in the last couple of days, so it's been very
2: warm, very humid here. It sounds like here only the humidity is in the form of downpouring rain every day or two. <laughs> all right, are you ready to play our favorite game, Shenanigans? I am. I love this game. All right, well, the first question... Is the story we just talked about the Yankees' big trade for Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Kainley, who the Red Sox were reportedly working hard to acquire, puts pressure on Boston to make a trade?
1: I'm going to agree. I think it does. I've heard some speculation that they can, they are okay where they are, but uh, I think that the Yankees are are closing in on their on their heels. And I think that it does kind of put them in a position where they have to do a, a little something. We s- kind of snagged away uh, what the Red Sox were, were looking for there, and I think that we will see them make some uh, make some moves before the deadline is over.
2: I agree. I think that they will make some moves. I don't think it will necessarily be the big deal for a third baseman that people had... Uh, been looking for because uh, they do have Rafael Devers who was just promoted to AAA and he's been slugging all year Um, I think he's just about ready to come up Um, so if they do make a trade for a third baseman it would be somebody that can slide into a backup role when he's ready but I think they'll look for some bullpen help maybe a fifth starter so I think we will see some moves from the Red Sox truth or shenanigans the Yankees are done making trades Spencer what do you think
1: I'm going to say no, uh, and a little bit of a, a cheat because we've seen in the rumor mill the possibility that they are still going after uh, some first base or third base help, but I think that we will see them make another move, and uh, actually uh, interesting thought that uh, that I saw was that maybe the possibility of trading some of that bullpen help for some starting pitching help, so uh, we will see. It does not a guarantee to happen, but I'm going to go with I think they're going to do a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I was with you in the camp that I thought maybe they had loaded up in the bullpen so they could flip maybe a Dylan Batances to get a starting pitcher because he's probably their most valuable uh, and team-controllable reliever. But um, Brian Cashman recently came out and said, no, Batances isn't going anywhere, we're keeping him. But, I mean, at this time of year, you can't believe anything a general manager says, so who knows? But um, I do think that Yonder Alonso from the A's is very likely, um, if he hasn't been traded by the time this airs, um, he's 30, he's an impending free agent, the A's will probably take whatever they can get for him at this point. Maybe the deal is bigger and includes Sonny Gray to fill the Yankees' need for a starting pitcher, but whatever the case is, I think that we've just seen them getting started. Number three, the Arizona Diamondbacks trade for outfielder J.D. Martinez makes them World Series contenders. What do you think? Uh, I think so. I mean, there's a, they're a team that's right there at the top of the leaderboard in the West. Um, their starting pitching has been surprisingly excellent this season. Um, they could use some bullpen help, but I mean so could everybody at this point in time. Uh, They play in a hitter-friendly ballpark where they are predictably scoring a ton of runs. They have a very deep lineup. Um, The run hole in it was in left field, which they've just now filled with an all-star slugger. So I think uh, the the sort of renaissance we've seen in the West with the Rockies and the Diamondbacks being good this year, uh, I think it's for real. See, I am I am
1: not quite sure on this. Uh, I, I had originally thought no, but I'm starting to get a little bit, little bit convinced listening to the argument there. But I think that uh, they might be just a little bit shorter there. I think um, we'll have to see if they can stay consistent. I, I think you're right. The pitching is there, and they definitely needed a, a big bat. So they've added that in there. Uh, I'm just not quite sure that they're there.
2: And I could see where you're coming from. There's a lot of players on this team that have not been on a team that was good if not been in a pennant race have not been in the playoffs so there's enough season left that a lot of things could still go wrong
1: there is and uh i guess a lot of times you see this some of the young players like that i i tend to root for teams made up of young players like that they're fun to watch especially in the playoffs so i guess we'll see um just nah uh, it's a flip of a coin
2: for me wide receiver Anquan Bolden it's still unsigned reportedly has visited at least one team uh truth or shenanigans the buffalo bills need to sign anquan bolden i'm going
1: to say shenanigans i uh, i don't have anything against anquan bolden i know for the for the lions last year he uh he was able to to make some touchdowns uh, for them in i think the you know from the 10 yard line he had a decent ratio of of being end zone help I don't know that he's going to be any more beneficial than uh, our other number two wide receiver we currently have whose name is escaping me, Zay Jones. Um, no, the I'm sorry, the gentleman from the Raiders, the, the tall oh, guy that Andre that Holmes keeps talking about. Yeah, Andre Holmes um is kind of that guy, that that end zone threat, a big physical wide receiver that, you know, gets in up close. And uh Anquan Bolden, while certainly uh Long time in the league, well-respected guy, great player, might have some left in the tank. Uh, if they get him, I'll be happy. I think I'd rather see them go out and get a Gary Barnage or uh, somebody um, like that, maybe a little bit younger, different place talent. I don't know that he's going to do any more for us than, than Andre Holmes, but uh, I'm not against it if they sign him.
2: See, I'm, I'm for it. I say uh, agree. I would like to see Anquan Bolden, although you kind of almost talked me out of it. Um, I agree Andre Holmes might kind of make him redundant in the red zone. I do think he's such a great route runner, so strong on the ball, and would be a great example for Zay Jones of how to how to work in tight spaces and come away with the football. Um, I don't think it's a season maker or breaker, but I would like to see him just for some, some good, talented veteran depth. The Redskins made kirk cousins a lowball offer and then talk trash about him publicly so truth or shenanigans it's time for the redskins to trade kirk cousins
1: i think it is past high time for them to trade cousins uh i think that the drama is ready to end they uh they've openly been disagreeing about things for months uh what is his talent level is he a franchise quarterback uh, I absolutely think that it's time for them to trade him. Uh, I don't know if you heard recently, but uh, I believe it's the uh, the new uh, GM of the of the Washington Redskins called him Kurt Cousins, K U R T, yeah. instead of Kirk, as in Captain Kirk. Um, just can't get. It I no do respect. No, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it made for for great media. Um, I think get it done with. They clearly don't want to be together. Uh, just sign the paperwork call somebody up and get
2: it done i agree i mean this they clearly don't value him the way that he wants to be valued and probably should be valued there's a lot of teams that still need quarterbacks and you know if you're a team that's ready to win you can roll the dice in the first round of the draft or you can trade for a guy who's already had several really good nfl seasons the Redskins, I don't know what they're doing or where they're going. I don't know <laughs> if they do. It's time to just make this divorce in the least messy fashion possible and start over.
1: You know, when it comes to the Washington Redskins, there is hope because there is always hope for your team, no matter how bad they are, that they will <laughs> never have quite the dysfunction that the Washington Redskins have. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a mess over there.
2: That's true. No matter how many coaches our owner fires or GMs he hires or anything else, at least he's not the Redskins owner, right? It's not Dan <laughs> Snyder. Silver lining. Silver lining. Last but not least, truth or shenanigans, Ezekiel Elliott will be suspended for more than two games.
1: This is another good one that keeps going back and forth. Um I'm going to say truth. I think that Ezekiel Elliott, as much as I enjoy watching him play, as much as I want him on my fantasy football teams, um, three issues in the last two years, the domestic violence dispute, uh, the second uh, assault, the possible assault uh, at, the, at the bar, and then the 100-mile-an-hour uh, speeding ticket. I was originally going to say no because they couldn't prove all of these things, they couldn't prove that he had done them or was involved in them, but the NFL does not need proof. The NFL does not need proof of a crime for them to discipline and to suspend, and we saw that with Tom Brady. They've now got a precedent, and I think that uh, there's some rumors in the bushes that it could be as many as six games.
2: Wow, six would be a lot, but it would show that they are taking this seriously. Um, I say shenanigans. I don't think it will be more than two. I think that um. For one, the the charges, like you say, are going to be dropped because the victim they can't find him he's or, or him or her I can't remember the victim is is not cooperating they can't find the victim so I think that I just don't see it being more than a couple of games. Spence, this isn't related to anything that we have been talking about, but I found an interesting piece of information on the internet today. Um, did you know that? Just this past Thursday was the 40th anniversary of Hank Aaron's final career home run. No, I didn't at all. Yeah, 40 years since Hank Aaron hit a home run. An interesting thing that I found out and that goes along with that fact is that he only received 406 of the 415 ballots that he needed to be voted on to be elected to the Hall of Fame. So... Despite the fact that he was the all-time leader in home runs, RBIs, and All-Star games, nine people, nine voters, didn't think he was a Hall of Famer. Does that blow your mind? Wow. This just goes to prove that uh,
1: there's been a problem for a long time with some of the people voting in the Hall of Fame ballots. uh, That is mind-boggling.
2: You know, I think he gets overlooked sometimes because there's no scandals, there's no large hot dog eating personality like babe ruth there's no steroids there's no really anything he just was quiet went about his business and just did it really 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 well
1: he really did put his head down and quietly put up uh, some of the greatest numbers in baseball history
2: so here's to you hammer and hank aaron we thank you for joining us this has been beyond the game program uh as i mentioned before rick benson is out this week we are partying it up in his absence. I'm Zach Barletta, uh, acting as producer and host this week, joined, of course, by my brother Spencer, live on the studio line from Roanoke, Virginia. Spencer, it's been great to have you. I appreciate you uh, stopping by. A pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, and I wish you guys the best. As always, you could find us on Facebook. You could find us on Twitter and Instagram at BTG Program. You can go to btgprogram.com to find all of our episodes find out a little bit about us Uh, and of course you can go to iTunes to download the podcast subscribe leave us awesome reviews tell us how great Spence and I are and how Benson can go on vacation more Um, and uh, as always as Benson would say be bold be great this week everybody see you next week